and they say the phrase really interested. And oftentimes the people who say I'm really interested in, unfortunately, their actions would often show otherwise in comparison to others. And really interested is just the extent of their vocabulary or the effort that they put into their inquiry. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Ask Me How I Know. I am so excited to introduce Alex to you. I'm not going to give too much more because we're just going to dive into the meat of everything. And I have no doubt that as we are going through this conversation, you're just going to have like light bulb moments left and right. No pressure, Alex. No pressure at all. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Talcott. Not Alec Baldwin in the movie Beetlejuice, although with my fashion sense today, you might think otherwise. I just realized that. That's really weird. Um, That is really weird. (laughs) And that movie has covered bridges, which we have many in New England. I'm talking to you today from Durham, New Hampshire, and be it New Hampshire, Vermont. We have all that quaint stuff. That's so much fun. Alex, like there is so much about you that is like, I could just go down like a hundred different rabbit holes because in our conversation, um, you know, a couple months ago, I I mean, I was just like, what does this guy not do and do exceptionally well? Let's go down rabbit holes because you kind of got an Alice in Wonderland thing. I got the Mad Hatter thing. We can do that. I know. And you got like the, the fun lumberjack thing going on also. So let's go, let's go knock down some trees. (laughs) All right. So I know that you're a financial planning strategist, but I also know that you're very involved in politics and lobbying and all. I mean, like you're involved, your, your hand is in so many little cookie jars. Actually, they're not even little. They're like ginormous cookie jars. So that sounds like embezzling, which we do. (laughs) Well, I didn't say you were in bank account jars taking from it or mixing them around. I just said your hands are in. (laughs) Okay. You didn't say I stole the cookies from the cookie jar because that's. Uh, who who stole the cookies from the cookie jar? I know. Who? Right? right? No doubt. Um, so maybe if you could tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that just like light sure. you on fire, because you are passionate about a lot of really cool things. Sure. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the political thing, because that's another reference. I kind of look like Lamar Alexander, Lamar Alexander, who uh, when he ran for president, he was famous for wearing and rewearing this shirt, this shirt again and again former Secretary of Education, U.S. Senator from Tennessee. Um, Yeah, so um, I was born in New York City, thus the loud, fast talking, which hasn't worn off. But, you know, New Hampshire is and really was meant to be home. Um, I met my uh, wife here, freshman in college, age 18. And with the exception of a detour to Chicago for a few years for grad school and work, um, you know, the Granite State, is us. As it says in our college alma mater, it's in our muscles and our brains. That doesn't sound good. Like that sounds like Alzheimer's calcification or something, but yeah. Yeah. I I like everything about New Hampshire. I like elbow patches and teaching and apple picking and, and snowshoeing. Like I love it. I love traveling um, all around the country for work. About 50% of my time is spent on the road, but there's, there's uh, no place like home. There is That's no Kansas. So, so many references. So many. So as you're traveling around, I mean, I know you also do a ton of education. So you didn't even touch on it. So like kind of what are some of the things that you actually do? Like what would you say you do great here? life? Um, like, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's funny. Um, I love 
opportunities to connect with you and a scheduled conversation. And that's really a similar value that I get from my classroom teaching, because I know that with all that I have going on, I will always show up for people. I'm, I'm very loyal to my friends and I consider my work colleagues, my students, um, friends. Uh, I, I really, really do. And um, so uh, I love having uh, places and times to be with a captive audience and to sometimes make myself an audience member to engage them and, and make it a group learning effort. So yeah, I teach about two classes a semester at the University of New Hampshire's Business School, uh, a variety of finance courses, undergrad and graduate, and also business law. Business law. Oh my. Okay. So I have to go down this particular rabbit hole. Nobody ends up where they are without a little bit of knocking around, hard knock struggle. It could be big blows, could be full on like face plants. Like you have really created a really good um, accelerated journey. And so that's my, that's my, do you like, that's my impression of you? Accelerated journey. Like it's extraordinary. So, uh, you and I are probably at some point going to own property under an LLC called accelerated journey LLC. It so every, pretty cool. every time I hear a two word phrase, I'm like, all right, that's either a future property venture or that I got to get the band back together. You know, one thing <laughs> yeah. or another. I don't know. I might push back a little bit, you know, like, I have a hard time putting myself in, in so much of like a millennial hero narrative. Um, as soon as you said hard knock, I started thinking it's a hard knock life for <laughs> us. And I wasn't Annie. Um, I grew up watching Annie the musical with my sisters and like dreaming of getting to play Daddy Warbucks someday. And I think one of my sisters wants to be Punjab and then one of them wants to be the uh, administrative assistant. We, these are the conversations I have with my siblings, which character in the musical Annie we would play. So um, I don't have very many complaints. I've been fortunate um, based on the education and the educational environment that I was uh, surrounded with by virtue of my parents that I've been able to be pretty whimsical in my academic and my professional journey and put it all together in a way that makes sense to me and makes me feel really grounded and confident in, in my next moves, even if it seems, you know, maybe a little bit disjointed and scattered to others. So um, I've had a pretty good go of it. I love that. I, I was the bottom of my siblings. So I have like three older brothers and I learned a lot from them. So I was, I was able to avoid you know, like, oh, I'm not going to take that detour. I'm not going to take that exit. I, you know, I was able to actually avoid some of the um, challenges that I might have otherwise faced. I faced some other challenges instead, but it was interesting, you know. To, yeah, to I think I, I think with, with my siblings, I'm the oldest, and there are certain, uh, I don't know, I don't know, like all three kids feel like there has been favoritism. So that means my parents did it like really, really well. You know, we all feel very, very special, but. You know, we also did not very neatly follow, you know, my path or even my, uh, the, the middle sister's path. I mean, the youngest sibling in our family is the one who lives in the big city, New York, didn't bother picking up an advanced degree, and she's killing it in the corporate world. So, you know, you can go your own way. I love, I love that you're bringing all the musicals in. This is fantastic. <laughs> Can't help it. Okay, but as you as you were were thinking about this, right? Like, what are some of the um, as you are teaching students 
and you're trying to push them, you know, help them guide them into the next part of their life so that they can be, you know, successful, that they can realize their dreams. Um, actually, I'm totally ditching that question because I just had like this. No, no, no. Can I come in? Can I come in? Okay. Well, come in. I'm going to come back to that. We'll finish. All right. All right. Fine, fine, fine. Because there's one thing that you said earlier um, in our, in our limited pre-call, which I appreciate you for, because I like to be spontaneous. One phrase that you used um, that, that did tighten me up a little bit was pain point. And I was like, oh no, that's starting to be a little bit of um, professional development, organizational leadership, self-help. And I'm kind of new to even acknowledging phrases like pain point and not thinking that they're too like squishy or what have you. (laughs) But what you uh, just said there in terms of pushing my students, that is sort of a mindset flip in the world of business professional development that I have appreciated recently. The idea that I don't really like to push, it's easier to pull than to push. So I like to lead in my business. I like to lead in my classes, see will come along with me, see if I can help students tap into their talents and their instincts. So um, I like to pull my students. That I'll tell you, it's far easier. I spent 13 years teaching elementary school, and I really don't think there's much difference, no offense, between elementary students and college college students might be even more challenging to pull along, perhaps. But it really is a, you have to create this environment where they can see the benefits and the advantages of what you have to offer. And it's alluring. It's like, what is that? I want to be there with you. Yeah. I know. And I think that's a, that's like really good feedback for students to give. Um, you know, people don't want to be like seen as a kiss up or anything, but it really helps if you can get a little bit vulnerable and reveal your hand and to kind of like, just like gush on people and things a little bit and, you know, kind of like make it known that you want to go in a certain direction. Like, you know, one of the seniors when I was a freshman in college who I gushed on the most and asked him, how do you know what you know? Um, and you know, he just kind of like laughed off the compliment. Um, but he straight up told me, he's like, Oh, that thing that I said came from, you know, this article or this thing. And I'm like writing it down. Ooh, I'm going to start reading that. I want to know what he knows. And he's now, you know, um, a federal judge, article three lifetime appointment. He like really is an extremely, um, insightful person. So, um, yeah, it's exciting to be an audience member, uh, to be someone who's willing to tell people, yeah, I, I want to go in that direction. You know, would you be so inclined to give me some some tips? Or just engage the conversation. The worst thing is when you speak with a junior or a senior in college and they're just coming out of their shell to start asking for advice about internships or jobs. And they say the phrase really interested. And oftentimes the people who say I'm really interested in unfortunately, their actions would often show otherwise in comparison to others. And really interested is just the extent of their vocabulary or the effort that they put into their inquiry. And I think that's okay. Like not everybody has to be so darn inquisitive, you know? And sometimes I'm concerned that students are pushed to have these overly formulated elevator pitches about what they really, really, really want to do. I'm not sure that everybody has to really, really, really want to do something professionally. And I would love to better create the space for people to not have to be so phony in the job interviewing stages. Um, I'm trying to figure that out because I'm fueled by enthusiasm and good attitudes and paying dues. But I also think it's okay if not everybody 
finds their thing. I'm not sure if there is a thing for everybody. I don't, I don't want to be the educator who gives up on anybody, but I'm not sure everybody has to exhibit that gleaming spark to get on the right side of an educator. I don't want to make that prerequisite to getting along with me or learning from me. That's really interesting. And even the concept that of passion and maybe passion being elusive, or maybe you don't even have to have some type of passion, but you just simply need to go through and, and live life. And like my husband has struggled, he's frustrated with the way passion is thrown around because he's like, well, I just feel like I don't have anything yet. He's a huge contribution to the world. You know, John Acuff speaks about this in his book, Start, like, you know, just he just demystifies the whole concept of having a passion. Yeah. And, you know, people recoil at certain words, certain words like Mm -hmm. aren't a fit. Like that word is not a good fit for my mom, who with a lot of of passion and talent um, was an amazing frontline worker as a geriatric wound care nurse for her entire career. God bless her. She retired right before COVID. Fantastic timing. Um, But she was the kind of person who honestly was like, you know, to me, as someone like from the borough, which is what she called Queens, you know, an associate's degree educated nurse, it, it was for her, it was like, no, she like does a job to earn some pay to come home to, home to her family and talking with us around the dinner table is what she was passionate about. That's powerful. I feel like you have this essence of real, uh, like a harmonious life. And this is something that I think a lot of people, do you like that you give that off? You give this off as I have a harmonious life. And by that, I mean, like everybody is trying to go for balance, right? I hear, you know, do you have a balanced life? And they they think of it as equal, right? As if um, you put things on a scale and everything is balanced out equally. And I just, my husband and I have spoken about this over the years. It's like, there's no complete balance. It's always like this constant teeter-totter give and take. I call it harmonious life because sometimes you might have to give more to one area, um, but it doesn't mean that you're neglecting other areas of your life. It's just this constant swirling and it creates this harmony and you seem to have that. Interesting. I've never heard anyone uh, use the the word harmonious where I think I might go with it to like keep the um, musical metaphor going would be what in jazz in big band jazz is sometimes called a shout chorus. So I'm a naturally okay. pretty, pretty loud person. And so for me, harmony is kind of cool. Maybe there's a little bit of ohm. Maybe there are different tones and pitches that come together. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can have dissidents and I dig me some alternative music too. But the idea of a shout chorus is like in, it's, it's almost like Dixieland aspects of big band jazz where you have like all this crazy stuff going on at once. And I dig that. Like I dig the fact that trombone doing this, clarinet doing that, trumpet going, and the other guy doesn't know that you're about to do that, but it sort of works. There are some rules, but it's like kind of like, uh, you know, uh, most happy adults find that what being an adult is, is not being serious all all the time, but it's like knowing the time and place for seriousness and silliness. So yeah, shout chorus silliness is maybe my riff on harmony. Oh, I love it. Actually, and as soon as you said that, I was thinking about a trombone, just taking like a little... Yeah, if you want to hear like a particular like trombone that I have in mind, it's like on the tune Rockin' in Rhythm by Duke Ellington. That has some crazy shout chorus stuff. Trombone included. That is, that is awesome. What are some of the, the tips? Because you do travel a lot. 
And yet you seem very connected. So what are some of those, those elements in your life that you think keep you and keep your shout chorus together? Um, I sent a message to my jazz band teacher in high school this morning who conducted us in playing Rockin' in Rhythm by Duke Ellington when I was 16 or 17. So for me, being connected is, oh, when you think about somebody, there's a chance that they might be thinking of you, um, but I'm more inclined to just send that quick message. I'm thinking of you. I like people to know that they're loved and appreciated and thought of. So when when you are looking at where you're going and super ambitious when you look at you know what you're doing with um, teaching and raising up others when you think about what you're doing with your investing or you think about you know your interactions with um, politics and lobbying you know where do you want to go with all of this um well since i know that you're a religious and a spiritual person um i would say for me it comes down to city of god which is um, an Augustinian theme of what we're doing on this world. And that was the one tune that I had the string quartet learn at my wedding um, to be my recessional. Um, Awake from your slumber, arise from your sleep. A new day is dawning for all those who weep. Let us build the city of God. May our tears be turned into dancing. For the Lord, our light and our love has turned the dark into day. So we've heard a lot of uh, dark and light in terms of our presidential politics recently. But the idea that we exist here to bring about heaven on earth, the city of God, the idea that we in our individual family community lives are building something really big and really special um, is I'm a very mission-driven person in that sense. So I was a religion major in college. Religion and ethics has always been in the background of of just about everything that I've ever done. That's really cool. And I didn't know that about you. And that's like just really powerful when you see people, you know, when you hear a why, there's always a, you know, everyone has what's driving them and what's anchoring them down in their passions. So that is completely exciting. Yeah. So what are you, where are you going to go aside or how are you going to accomplish that? What are some of the things that you actually practically do? So um, one of the books that I enjoyed reading this past year that came from my strategic coach coaching program was Who Not How. So for me, um, it's with whom I'm going to do these things that are probably going to be my hows. I really enjoy um, the people who I'm attracting to uh, join me in building some of these things. And I'm down to, to go where we go. So um, I think there's a certain flexibility, especially in real estate. That's probably a good idea. So a lot of people are really hung up on asking me whether I do residential or commercial. And so sometimes I'll do like a detour <laughs> and I'll talk about like, well, so you know, commercial financing and I teach finance is available on as little as like a duplex residence. So my finance brain is like, well, commercial can be an all residential enterprise, but I understand that most people are talking about like office, retail, industrial, and all the rest. I'm open to that being a component on some of our future projects because there are certain uh, demands for mixed use and new localism. So I'm not gonna be insistent on what these Webster dictionary definitions of like commercial, 
or residential, like even R, um, for now, um, I'm good with focusing on predominantly residential projects. It's what I can wrap my head around and I can help other people wrap their heads around and make uh, positive contributions as analysts in our group. Um, so I don't know, I'm really interested in space. Um, if, if I had to guess like one other total industry that I would go into at some point, maybe something space related. I think we are in a, in a period of renewed interest in broad-based commitment to space exploration. But to me, again, there's a, there's a real estate nexus to that. I have a t-shirt in my closet over there that says Occupy Mars, which is a little bit of a play on Occupy Wall Street, but it's also the t-shirt that I saw Elon Musk <laughs> wearing when he was first holding his baby, Ash. And I was like, that's awesome. I literally want to occupy Mars. Like my kids know, like that's where I, I don't need them to buy me a house or a fancy car. If they make it, I want them to go on vacation to Mars. That's no, they know that that's what I want to do and probably own land there too. That's really exciting. We always say, um, my daughter knows that she'll come up to me and she'll say she's about to turn 10 and, and her words are, I'm going to be a better mom than you. And she'll say it with a smile and a twinkle in her eyes. And we have an understanding that every generation should be better. And That's so she's awesome. actually giving me a compliment and I've already given her permission. I want you to outdo me, like learn from everything. That's I've, cool. Like, it's, my, it's, my wife, you know, to be personal, my wife was more of the impetus for children in the first place. But now that we have them, I'm the one who's more bold about, I want to be an awesome grandpa. So I went from, exactly. okay, a dad to best granddad ever. <laughs> You're like, let me just jump 20 years ahead. <laughs> well, that's what I'm better at. You know, I, I'm, I'm better at that. At the, at the visionary. So how does, how do you, cause you are a visionary and that's one thing that I've enjoyed about our interactions, even our limited interactions. It's like, you just see things in such a larger than life way. How do you keep yourself anchored down instead of, you know, so that things can actually come to fruition? My mind is seeing through your design, like blind fury. I think that's Nas. So um, I, I just listen to other people who have said things in slightly different ways. And I just kind of like revel in it. I just, that's an interesting meditation. Um, something to have a think on to put here and then run and listen to music and work on other projects and just see, see how it, um, see how it marinates or see how it integrates with other things and still leaves stuff chunky. So it's like the coolest part of like, a melting pot of a country or a company or a person is not the full assimilation. It's the stuff that is like kind of retained and still has some texture and chunkiness and extra spice in this and extra sweetness in that. Um, so I don't know. I want, I want to use all my senses. I want to, I want to feel and immerse. When you are looking ahead with your financial components and you are very much involved and wide-eyed about everything taking place. You're one of these people that I believe can see all the puzzle pieces and really see how they can come together um, for better or for worse. 
Like, it doesn't matter if it's a, oh, that's a great picture or it's a bad picture. It's like, I feel like you can see that, see the plays coming out. So as you look at the puzzle pieces at play just right now in 2021, you know, what are some, um, what are some words of encouragement or strategies that you would offer to listeners as they um, continue down their investing journeys and such? The, the puzzle comment was funny because I didn't get into a first grade enrichment program because of my inability to put together like a four piece puzzle when they were looking at me as like a little lab rat who had certain, <laughs> yeah. So I lack spatial relations. I'm really, really bad at, at those. So, so like literally putting together oh, the irony um, puzzle pieces I'm terrible at. And even one of my kids said to me the other day, Dada, the only puzzle in our house you can put together is the one of the president's or maybe the one of the world, because they know that I, I have <laughs> I have the benefit of like knowing history and geography. So that helps me out a little bit. But um yeah, I would say I would say some encouragement is um and, and I would say most financial professionals are are maybe nice to a fault in entertaining CNBC style sector questions when really for most people they just gotta control what they can control. So if you say to them, you know, if somebody says to you, should I own Tesla? Should I own Apple? I mean, it's really irresponsible to say yes or no to somebody without knowing what else they have or they don't have. So um, there are a lot of things that people can just like take ownership of that they can take small advantage of. Like the idea, like if you're income eligible for a Roth IRA, like go for it, like tax-free growth, tax-free upon withdrawal, um, tax control in the future, because who knows what the different brackets or rates are going to be. Most of us are probably going to be making more in the future and rates will probably be higher in the future, you know? So it's like, yeah, go for Roth IRAs, go for 401k matches, get 100% return on your money from your employers if that's available to you. That kind of stuff does not get into, are we at peak oil or something very, very different? You know, a lot of those macroeconomic industry sector things are irrelevant for most people. I gave a presentation, I was on a panel on cryptocurrency a few years ago, and a few older gentlemen came up to me afterwards and they said, you know, so how do I buy some of that Bitcoin? And, you know, the answer to them was like, you probably don't, you know, it's like, let's not assume that you do. It's, it's just because something is out there. It doesn't mean that it's for you. And again, the second I say something like that, I feel like the teacher who doesn't want to squelch anybody's dreams. I don't want to be the, you know, investment advisor or professional or support person or educator who like decides that somebody's not up for certain risk or opportunity. Um, I, I don't want to be that person. But I, I think this year, as with you know, most any years, there are a lot of things that that we can control if we all try to save, live within our means be cognizant of our diet, a lot of basics like that. A lot of people overlook those fundamentals and they worry about, you know, new gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Who's it's and what's it's galore. Thingamabobs, <laughs> you might have 20. You don't need 20, but who cares? No big deal. I want It could be just a, a whole new, well, actually I was just jumping into Aladdin, Aladdin. after that with a yeah, whole new right. world. So <laughs> that's fine. Don't you dare close your eyes. I'm like, let's go from Little Mermaid to Aladdin, you know? Please. <laughs> you, know you know, I don't hear, in your comment though, I don't hear you, anyone. I, what I hear is 
the ability to choose and the ability to educate and then self-select what's best for you instead of instead of automatically um, saying, oh, well, this is available. I have to go after this. It's that's really cool. That's available. Is this the best thing for me? Let me become educated and then yeah. let me move forward. I've been, I've been really disappointed in institutions not exhibiting better leadership. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to instill bootstrap personal finance when we don't have balanced budgets at the federal level and we have a lot of debt. That's really, really difficult. Um, it's difficult when universities um, are ever raising tuition and acting as government contractors, taking people's federal financial aid dollars and putting in crazy, fancy, expensive brick oven pizza things like everywhere. Like that's not that's not that's not a good example that's being set. I don't like our institutions being all things to all people. That's that's not that's not very responsible. So what would you like to see them as? What would I like to see what? How would you like to see it? See what? Just, you know, the use of the funds from the university, the use of the funds at the, the leadership level. Like, how do people... Oh, yeah. Yeah, let a million decide? flowers bloom. Yeah. You know? Have the have the Costco, have, you know, have the, have the everything. Like, I'm, I don't know that we've done a great service to the world with some of our, you know, less ambitious, culturally interested students taking out even more money to study abroad in Barcelona. Like, you know, that... that I don't know that they've been great ambassadors of the United States, nor brought back uh, a whole lot of insight to us. I mean, That's one of those students wants to learn how to make paella and like do it for me when they get back or, you know, brief me on unemployment in Madrid. Like, let's do it. Let's fund that. Otherwise, I'm not sure all investments in education, unfortunately, are great investments. That's an interesting concept because I haven't heard many people speak on that. And that concept of we are sending the, if we are sending students out to be educated in other countries, there should be something, a return coming back and an impact. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's like a best case scenario or if it's a minimum standard. Um, I don't know. D depending on my set that I'm chatting about it with, I might, I might play devil's advocate from a certain standpoint. That's usually what I do. So I was in a meeting yesterday for a working group of uh, New Hampshire's Council on Housing Stability that I serve on. And um, apparently our work as a council and some of our different working groups, there's going to be a certain budget. There are going to be certain outside consultants who we have. And um, the person facilitating the meeting yesterday, you know, was saying, and oh, and when we get these consultants, it'll be really helpful, da da, -da. And I, I was willing to be the, all right, I'll be the cheap private sector guy being like, I hope they're helpful, but you know, like, let's see how it goes. Let's see what they tell us, show us, get out of us in that domain. Like I care about the charge of that council very much. I want less homelessness, more affordable housing and statewide economic development. And if, and I understand that it takes a little money to make a little money or to make change in the policy realm. But um, just because you're you're spending the money doesn't mean that you get the results. There can be a placebo effect to that. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So, what are some things that we could do to to push past that placebo effect? Like, is there anything, any tangible yeah, I, I, I think, um, action that could be taken? Yeah, I think um, I think just keeping at it. You know, um, I think usually we see progress. Most things get better. Um, 
And I really like using data to have data deformed, data informed decision making. But you know, it's also the case that if you wind up on a pretty diverse perspective committee, um, you know, there's a representative democracy thing that's happening there. And so, you know, um, there are things that you you are just straight up more informed on than the average Joe or Julie. And if you show up, I think your best sense is in the absence of other ideas worth following or giving a go. So I'm really into the power of subconscious for people who have been thoughtful about consuming thoughts over some period of time. So just keep making choices and decisions and doing our best. What I've learned is that like, people perk up, you have perspective. You're actually humble bragging, even if you're talking about like a failure. What I've found is in my experience, like people really do look, look up when you start sentences with those words. Right. They do because, because it's relatable. People can say like, I've been there. I've, Oh, I am there right now. And look, you, you've made it to the other side of things like, okay, I can get through this. Here's how you did it. It's a powerful, powerful vehicle. It's also like a sale technique, right? You say, um, it's, what is it? Uh, feel felt found. I understand how you feel. Many of my clients have felt that way. Right. What they found is when they engage in this process, this gets better. Yeah. I don't like you. I don't like that. Actually. I don't really like using um, cognitive structures. Um, that's why another book that I really enjoyed this past year is always be the buyer. I enjoy being the buyer, the leader, as opposed to tapping into certain sales instincts that I might have. That's interesting. So then that I, I have to ask then when you compare always be the buyer, I haven't read the book though, but to the, you know, the lavish seller be sold Grant Cardone, <laughs> how would you, yeah. So um, one of my former students interviewed him recently for a podcast. He's a really outgoing guy. Um, he saw that I had a lot of great guest speakers at the university. And he told me that it gave him the confidence to ask for some pretty big people in business and sports and entertainment to join him on his startup podcast. And he had Grant Cardone on the show, who um, his style and his message does not resonate with me. Um, but our industry is a little bit of an everybody knows everybody um, industry. Um, I saw the, the last public episode of this that you released was with my friend Logan Freeman. So I was like, wow, those are big shoes to fill, like literally big shoes for a guy who was upwards of 335 pounds at one point in his life. But um, yeah, just be, like you might not dig everybody's like business model. Some of the guru types are even easier to dismiss if, if their approach doesn't hit you right. Although Cardone is a really interesting one who... I made a passing reference to him not being my cup of tea in a meeting with a, a pretty um, low-key, wonky um, guy from uh, the, the corporate world who's doing great as a syndicator. And um, they're friends, and they've done some work together. So, I mean, you never know who's going to be the thing for somebody else. Sometimes that stuff surprises you. So, right. um, yeah. It's amazing different, how different people fire me up. I like Teddy Roosevelt. Like that's that's my kind of guy. I think if we if we ever got together, um, you and my when? husband would have. The, oh yeah, when? Thank you. I love that. But you and my husband would have so much time. He loves history, and and you guys would just have a great time. Any particular era more than others? Any uh, like the nineteen twenties? Okay. 
That's about when it ends for me. I'm a Gilded Age, progressive era, roaring 20s. That's like the end of my peak interest. And I would say that would be his, the focal point of his interest. And then he would, he would lend back probably 100 years. All right. Well, you got to tell him. So of that era, Silent Cal, Calvin Coolidge, a quote from him was in my wedding program. So yes, City of God was at the end, but it started with some quotes from famous Vermonters like Calvin Coolidge. That is really cool. (laughs) Alex, I hate to bring us to an end, but I do have to. And it's so sad. Um, I thoroughly enjoy like just talking with you because you're effervescent and you have consumed. So nice. I thought I thought I was this effusive sycophantish complimenter. You're so nice. <laughs> no, but you, I mean, just by nature of, as you've mentioned throughout the podcast, like if you're willing to ingest really good um, information and to actually think about it, pontificate and such, you can have really interesting conversations. Agreed. Um, variety, And you have this amazing experience to boot. So uh, exactly like Life is not, life continues on. So I'm wondering if there are any other little, if there's something else that you'd like to say, I need to say this to the audience before we go. Is there a final, look at this, final parting words. I'm not a musical person, so I can't give, I can't sing worth beans. So I'm like, I I can't (laughs) go down that path. (laughs) Um, I mean, we could do boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye, but that would require some harmony that I am not capable of contributing to. Um, Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I, I would just say, um, I, I have a Gmail inbox that I use for real estate stuff. Uh, Lexdan, R-E-L-E-X-D-A-N-R-E at Gmail. And, you know, we're not syndicators. We're not fundraisers. Um, we are growing our headcount. Um, but pretty much I like to look at, not for. So if anything that I've kind of riffed on with Julie today strikes somebody as like interesting and it makes you think of deals or dilemmas or anything i don't know say hi and you know it'll, it'll come to my attention and and you can talk to alex on a variety of topics um because and you are able to just put everything together i truly that's so ironic that you didn't make it in in first grade to that program because you couldn't put together a four-piece puzzle because you put together such um that these intricate thought puzzles and so I think that that's really funny that you got passed by. I think you need to send a letter back and just say, you know, we'll take a clip, this little excerpt, and then you can just like email it. to Mrs. Webb, look at me now. (laughs) Yeah, move on, right? (laughs) Because that's what you do best. (laughs) That's a good villain name for a teacher too, right? That is a good name. I know. But it's like Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) Well, audience, you are awesome. I thank you for um, coming and listening once again. And this is a really fun, eclectic conversation. And um, follow Alex. Go find him on LinkedIn because he produces a lot of really interesting content. And it's really important that you don't just stay within your niche and um, oversaturate with just one topic. So sure that you head over to LinkedIn, follow Alex, connect up with him. He's fantastic. And um, if you have something you want him to look at, (laughs) then make sure you shoot him an email. Until next time, remember, one step every day will lead you to the freedom that you are looking for.